Hello and welcome to episode 235 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRP. Join me as always, is the sprightly League Freak. You can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? G'day, Andrew, the real deal Ferguson. How are ya? Mate, I'm real and deal-ish. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? How's the Rona going? What percentage you up to? I am up to uh, 69. Nah, I'm, I don't know. I'm probably at about 80% at the Ooh, moment. Oh, that's a yeah. jump. I've had a jump, yeah. That's a jump. Good. How many coffees have you had to get there? Oh, my God. I, I probably have, in a day, I probably have at least four coffees. I'm drinking a coffee now. It's nearly not 11 o'clock because I just don't care at this point. And, um, yeah, so I'm always drinking coffee. That's the spirit. Mm. Now, speaking of things that you're also doing all the time. Hey, that's personal. Shaving your balls. Oh, that's not personal. I talk about (laughs) that in every podcast. Because, you know, I might have been unwell. But I like to be match fit and match ready. And so because of that, I like to go to manscaped.com and get all of the equipment you need to have the smoothest balls, the smoothest balls. They're like silk, you know? So you go to manscaped.com and you put in our exclusive code. And this code's just for our listeners. It's for no one else. We chose it. And we chose NRL because you love the NRL as much as we do. And you love the NRL and having smooth balls. So you go to Manscaped, you pick out what you want. I recommend the Lawnmower 3.0 personally. That's my go-to. Uh, you put that in. You get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code NRL. And you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. And the reason that they do that is because they're so confident that you will love the end result. You'll just keep it forever. In fact, you'll probably get a second one. One for each hand. One for each nut. One for each nut. Yeah. You got your right ball shaver and your left ball shaver. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I I know people that have... Uh, purchased it as gifts. I was going to say, people have got big nuts. (laughs) (laughs) They need one for each. (laughs) Guilty as charged. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) My cover's blown. (laughs) I know people that have purchased it for uh, as gifts and stuff, and they've been very happy, especially when you get the perfect package 3.0. It comes in a really nice gift box, and it's all wrapped up, and it looks great. It's got all, like gold leaf writing on it and it's it just looks fantastic so christmas is coming up and it might be something that uh would be a good gift for someone so yeah go to manscape.com nrl's your code go and do it you're welcome now i'm going to give you a just just a line okay yeah and this is this is going to set you up to let you know what we're going to be talking about today okay but this is some some insight from a from one of the league's leading analysts. Ooh. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. If Jake Friend's not playing, then Jake Friend isn't on the field. Well, I've got to say that is cutting edge analysis, and it's 100% correct. There's, you know what? There's no holes in it. That's what's good about it. No, you cannot break that down and say anything other than it is genius. It's genius. It's spot on. Um, 
It's poor Crawley at his absolute fucking best. Smartest thing he's ever said. And the most accurate thing he's ever said. Yeah. Um, nailed it. Yeah, I, I've got nothing detrimental to say about that. He's uh, um, That's why he's on there. That's why he's on that panel. Exactly. I mean, they need they need guidance on that panel because we often it's just a bunch of dumb old pricks swearing and yelling at one another. Mm. So it's good to get Crawley in there to give a bit of balance, mm-hmm. add some genuine analytical insights, mm-hmm. and we actually get some content worth watching on there. Mm-hmm. Other than hashtag Ask Kenty. It's time, isn't it? it it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I'm ready. I am so ready. And just before we, we start, yeah. <clears throat> just on an unrelated note, if you have a problem with alcohol and you live in Sydney, call Alcoholics Anonymous on 02-97-991199. That's some very sage advice. Yeah. Well, I thought we should bring that up, considering. For no reason at all. No, no, I'm no. I'm just we're, saying. We're here for the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I might do a bit of a... Uh... A play off that and just say it, it's not so much. It may not just be a commentary about the, uh, yeah, you know, some of the people who answer some of these questions, mm-hmm. but an end result of what you end up doing if you watch too much of this show as well. One hundred percent. All right, um, let's go. I'm I'm not going to bother reading out names unless it's someone we know. Okay. So first one is ask Kenty. Can you stop yelling your answers at everyone? <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> He really does. Him he and does, James right. Hooper, what do they yell? Oh, Hooper only knows how to yell. I, I actually think that Hooper has given himself industrial deafness, and that's why he <laughs> yells. What if it turned out that there's a reason he yells, but it's like something, like he used to be in a heavy metal band when he was younger, like something cool. It's probably from riding on a jackhammer. Probably. Yeah. Man, I could say a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, I keep hearing the record for most consecutive wins in NRL is the Bulldogs in 2002. It's not. Um, no. Didn't those wins get stripped? No, just the competition points did. Just yeah. like the Storm Premierships. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the results still stand. It says, surely that can't be considered the record. It is. The results still stand. Well, it's like Ben Johnson's record. Like, it was rubbed out of the record books because he was done for steroids. But there was a lot of song and dance when it was finally beaten legally. Like, even if you feel like it, it was done, the the Bulldogs mark, and it was done illegally, um, you know, it is still there in people's minds. Yeah, and look, people have got this weird attitude, especially about the... The Storm and the Bulldogs ones, that everything related to those games should be completely wiped off the record. And the problem mm-hmm. with doing that is it doesn't just impact the Bulldogs. It impacts every single person who played against them when they were doing that. Yeah. And that's not fair to the people who are doing the things legally. Yeah. So all those tries, goals, field goals, games played by all those players, you want to take those away from them. And if mm-hmm. your answer is no to that, then the what you get is the end result, which means the results have to stand, but you don't give them the competition points, which is exactly what's happened. That is the only 
workable and best way to deal with this? Because yeah, then you're cause... punishing the team that's, that's done the wrong thing, yep. but you're not punishing their opposition. Yeah, because uh, like the, the only other things you could do is you could say, right, we're going to remove everything the Bulldogs did that year out of the game and out of its record books. Well, as you say, that also gets rid of a lot of points and stuff other people scored against Bulldogs. But then the other extreme to that is, well, we just leave it in and don't worry about it at all. And, you know, if we did that, every single team would break the salary cap. So it, it, it's a good compromise and it's one that's, there's no ideal thing because it's always going to be messy and you just got to look at the, the premiership winners over the last 20 years and you've got asterisks and all sorts of stuff all over the place. But it's the best situation you can come to considering the terrible situation the Bulldogs put the game in in that in 2002. Well said. I can't. Mate, that, that's like the, uh, the crawler comment. There's no holes in it. <laughs> I can't argue with it. There's nothing to argue with. It's absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. Um, why do you think Broncos signed Kevy over Paul Green? Green, proven premiership winning coach with tons of experience. Walters has a poor coaching record, 35%. And State of Origin isn't much better at 50%. What makes him the man over Green? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I, I th- We've talked about this a bit before. I think they needed a cultural change. They needed to get away from the Broncos thing. And, you know, I think Kevin, I really like Kevin Walters. I think he's a great person. He's a lovely, he's one of the lovely people in rugby league. I agree. I agree. And because of that, I don't think he's going to be a good NRL coach. Because I think NRL coaches, the good ones, are normally assholes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see what they think Kevy's going to bring to the team. Mm. I don't even think Paul Green was the right person for that job. <clears throat> but they backed themselves into this corner. The reason they chose him is because the Broncos' management at the moment are morons. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that told Wayne Bennett to get stuffed. Yeah. And in return, they went and bought Anthony Seabold, who had yeah. barely been tested. Yeah. And... Seabold had a very well-balanced team at South. That's evident by the fact that, you know, Wayne Bennett has had to do very little to that team and they're banged. They're in the finals already straight away. Yeah. Whereas the Broncos were in transition because that's what Wayne Bennett was setting up for, was that transition to the next phase. And they cut that off, cut it on the head, you know, knocked it on the head before they got to, you know, get that transition finished. Seabold came in and didn't know what to do and completely balls the whole thing up. And you do not bring in a new coach to a team that's in transition and that has just got the wooden spoon. You need to get someone in there with experience who knows how to deal with this stuff. They needed to get, you know, I've said it before, they need to get someone like a Tim Sheens or someone like that. And you don't get mm-hmm. them long term. You get them for like two years, finish that transition, get them set up, piss that person off. Then you bring Kevy in. He's got the easier job mm-hmm. of getting a team that's winning games on the up. Your job's to come in and be more of a mentor than an actual coach. Everything else is set up. That's what he should have done. That's what the Broncos should have done. But instead, they're just going to put Kevy in there. And God help him if they go downhill and stay in this current rut. Because he won't Mm. last a year. Well, that's the thing. Like, what is a pass mark for Kevin Walters next year? And considering that... They're an historically bad defensive team. 
they've lost. They're going to hopefully lose some experience. In Darius Boyd, they, he's gone, and they need to get rid of Ben Teo. Um, so he's going to take over a very inexperienced team, one of the worst teams defensively we've seen in a long while. I don't know what a pass mark for him is at 10th. Like, I feel as though if they were in 10th place next year, it'd be a step forward. But is that going to be enough for people to say, oh, yeah, well, Kevin Walters made a step forward? Or is the media going to go off its head and say, oh, he's not even doing anything? Like, it's a real tough situation to walk into. And I, I really do. I think it's not a good situation for him if he wants to be a you know, a first-grade coach long-term. But then again, if this is his dream job, if if he's, if somebody said to him, look, why do you want to be a coach it, it, like 10 years ago or whatever, and he says, I want to coach the Broncos, that's it. Nothing else matters to me. And he's finally got that role, then, you know, it's hard to argue with the decision he made. Oh, absolutely. Best of luck to him. Um, I think a pass mark is going to have to be something um, achievable. Mm-hmm. And positive without being um, excessively hard to get to. And I think right now they shouldn't be thinking about ladder positions. They shouldn't be thinking about finals footy next year. They should be thinking about making sure that the margin for every single game is around 10 points. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one Um, too. Win or loss. You want to be in the game. You want to be competitive. If we can get to that point, then we can get ourselves in a position to win games. Yeah. that's got to be there in goal. Ladder position is something they shouldn't be fixated on at the moment. They need to just be competitive. They get that competitive thing. The wins will come. We saw it with the Sharks back in, you know, 2014, 2015, after they, you know, had the Asada thing go through them there, that they just focused on trying to be competitive for the year and a, you know, about a year and a half after that. Mm-hmm. And their games were dog's breakfast to watch. There was no entertainment there, but, you knew, didn't matter how good the team was, when they come up against Cronulla, you're going to have to work bloody hard to get your win. Yeah. And more often than not, you get your win, but it'll take something out of you. And that's what the Broncos have got to look at, is just get competitive. Because mm. as we've seen from a lot of teams that have had the wooden spoon in recent years, <laughs> premierships are just around the corner. Yeah. Like, how many te- how many times have we seen team get the wooden spoon and within three seasons there in a grand final at the very yeah, least. Like it's, exactly. it's doable. Um, the the thing about the Broncos that really worries me is this, this fixation on getting Craig Bellamy. I think that it's, it's bordering on pathetic now. Um, and as, as we've said, like if you sign a head coach and then you feel like you need a coach and director, you've got the wrong head coach. Um, I don't understand it. I love Craig Bellamy's. I think he's the best coach of all time. And I think it's a little bit of a margin between him and the next best. But I, you know, what's to say he's going to be a good coach and director? Well, it's something he's never done before. Yeah. And I know it's it's not quite hands-on enough for him, I don't think. I think he's the sort of person, you know, like, pretty much like a dictator, like most coaches are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs a very tight ship at the Storm. And to be a coaching director, you kind of have to take a back seat and just sort of let someone else do that sort of stuff. And I'm not sure that's something he's willing to do. Mm-hmm. You never know. But it does lead you nicely to the next question. Okay. Buzz said, brace yourself. 
Bellingham would live on the Gold Coast when he takes the 2022 Broncos job. If the media is too much, could he help Holbrook at Titans instead? I, what? Well, so they're, suggest, they're suggesting that um, that Bellamy may may not want to go to the Broncos because the, there'd be a lot of media pressure on him there. That's one of the things that that they're assuming he likes about the Storm job is that most of the Melbourne media don't know who he is. Um, I I don't think Bellamy generally wants to go and be a coach at either of those two teams. No. I think if uh, you've said this before, I, th- I think if one of those Brisbane expansion clubs were announced tomorrow, Bellamy would take that job. And I think any other job he does is either the money is too good to, re- to refuse or he just wants to be involved in some way. But the, th- the thing about being a head coach in the NRL is you need to be the boss. Like if, if for your players... If if you're the coach is the boss and everyone else is just bullshit, you know, and so to to have your head coach and then have a boss above him, that just doesn't work. It's never worked. No, it, uh, well, you know, Buzz said it. Yeah. Okay. Um. And by the way, he's saying yeah. that about the Gold Coast Titans, who already have Mal Meninga in there. Doing that job. Exactly. I mean, yeah. how do you top Mal Meninga? Exactly. Um, well, yeah, Craig Bellamy's not an immortal, is he? Yeah. <laughs> um, John asks, Kenty, will you go on a date with me? I promise it will be the best date you've been on. I'll take you to the best restaurant and then get you drive through Maccas on the way home. He should take that up. Tell you what, I'm, I'm for... Drive through Maccas. I could come up. I could come up with better. I could come up with a better um, date for a not so much Paul Kent, you know, but a random unnamed journal, rugby league journal. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay. So you start off right. You go to the local TAB, and, and you go there, and you get them like a. I don't know. You get them like a what would you what would you feed a journo? Palmer. Yeah, Palmer. Okay, yeah. so maybe you go somewhere, get a palmy, and then and, and chips. Then you, yeah, palmy and chips, and then you go to the TAB. You bet on horses for six to eight hours, and then when you're going to drop them home, you stop off at the lo- local bottle and. They just pick up like just some supplies for the evening, like two or three hundred dollars worth of supplies at the bottle. And yeah, I think that that, that is for a journo the dream. Would you take them to the drive through bottle or would you take them to and using the same budget, yeah. or would you take them to Aldi and get their stuff, knowing that you get a lot more of it there? Oh no, they'd want to go to the drive through bottle because that'd be like their that's like their thing, you know, when it's when it's 10 o'clock at night and they're like, man, I'm a bit peckish. I'm going to go and get fucking 48 cans of my favorite beer. And that, so the drive through bottle, I was like their hang. Do you reckon they, what sort of beer do you reckon they, they go for? I'm, I'm, I'm picking it's either going to be VB or Forex. I think they get the cheapest shit. I think that they're like, nah, man, I, I get this stuff from fucking Thailand. 
<laughs> like, and I'm not like, bagging Thailand beer. Thailand beer is actually pretty good. But yeah, I I just think that they go, they don't get the stuff that's in the freezer because they're like, nah, that's another two dollars fifty extra. You're gonna get this shit that's up in the corner. You drink it warm. It's up on the top shelf. Yeah, yeah. The box is gathering dust. Yeah, yeah. And they're the only person that drinks it. Yeah, there's always a special on them. One hundred percent. Yeah, I get six cartons for the cost of one. Yeah, big forearms on journos. <laughs> Absolutely. Because they're always carrying their fucking booze. <laughs> that was a pass the pub test. <laughs> I love a pub test. Yeah. Um, there's two, two really um, controversial, or one controversial question coming up, and another one's a bit odd. Okay. We'll go with the odd one. A new ACDC album is imminent. Are you looking forward to hearing it? How many of them are still alive? Two? Oh, yeah, I feel like it's not many of them. I think it's two. I, I know that the the lead singer is deaf. I'm pretty sure he's deaf now. Oh, the, the, the second lead singer. Yeah, well, yeah, the second lead singer, <laughs> the first one died. Um... I don't know, like, are you pumped for listening to some heavy metal rock by, like, people that can be your grandfather? I don't know. I see, I find, and I know this is going to probably, you know, be a bit controversial. Yeah. I find that for the the last mm, 20-odd years, probably more, Yeah. every ACDC song sounds the same. They've like, it's almost like they've seen what Nickelback's done and gone, you know what, let's show these young kids how you do copy and paste the right way. Well, you know, the one that got me is they, they did a song called Let, Let's Play Ball. And you kind of knew that they put that song together to sell to sports networks to play over and over again. And that's fair enough. Like, yeah, you know, you you do. Get, if you get to, say you get to 70 and you're like, man, I've sort of been singing for 40 years of my life. Let's just fucking make some money. My grand, my grandkids, they want all the new shit. You know, let's make some money for them. So fair enough. But, you know, I guess I think what happens with uh, rock bands is they get to that point and it all starts sounding the same. Like the Red Hot Chili Peppers are the same. Like you listen to some of their music from the last fucking 15 to 20 years and it's the same song. Yeah, um... Modern U2. Oh, remember when they put that fucking album on everyone's... <laughs> oh, my God. That shit went on my phone. I still have to delete that shit. Oh, man. That was terrible. That was, a ter- that was bad PR at, the, at its absolute worst. Yeah, if it had been a good album, I think people would have been like, yeah, this is good. But it was fucking trash. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Oh, yes. Now, the next one. Uh, ask Kenty, do you rate smashing prozies? <laughs> prozies? Oh, wow. Do you mean um, ladies of the night? Yeah, yeah. Man, that's a pretty direct question. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we should go to the next one immediately. <laughs> I'm wondering why they felt the need to ask that particular question. Yeah, anyway. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, 
Will the Roosters have a bounce-back factor, or do you think too much damage done last week? I've got a stat. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what do you think about this? Because you would have looked at it in a historical perspective, and I'm interested in that. I think since 1967, on, I think the, the Roosters have had 50 points or more put on them five times. Mm-hmm. And on four of those occasions, the week or the game after that, they won. Oh, yeah. And the one they lost was in 2012. Now, how many of those were finals games? None of them. Okay. Um, so they they do bounce back pretty well. I mean, let's be honest. You look across their team, it's a class team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Coppin a loss like that. I, I fairly, I'm fairly certain that... Trent Robinson's probably gone through and booted that many dates so fucking hard. He's probably mm-hmm. gone through at least a dozen pairs of shoes mm-hmm. and they're stuck inside the rectums of every single Roosters player right now. <laughs> and they'll all be walking a bit funny for a few days, but they should have it all sorted out by the time this game comes around. And I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and they do it. They, they pull out a bloody top quality performance. I, whether they win is another thing. Yeah. But there's no chance in hell I'd see them putting out another performance like they did against South. No yeah. chance. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to get like completely annihilated like that. I think the problem that they've got, and they wouldn't have it against every team, but I think the Panthers are the worst team to have it against. With the Panthers, sometimes they come out with these young teams and these young teams don't go great for a time and then some clicks in their heads and they're like, oh, we we don't fear you anymore. And for whatever reason, a lot of those times that the thing clicks in their head, it starts with the Roosters. And you could probably say that it started this year with the Roosters when they, they beat the Roosters very, very early in the season and they've gone on to have this record-setting record season. Um I think that most other clubs would be wary about playing the Roosters this weekend. I feel like this Panthers team, though, they just saw this team that everyone's talking about be completely mortalised in front of their eyes, and I think that it's the worst team for that to come to for that to happen to the Roosters coming in against the Panthers, and and that's that for me is why I'm confident. Oh yeah, um, I. I will back uh, Penrith to win, but I don't think it's going to be um, a blast scoreline. I, I think it'll be a very close game, but I'm I'm reasonably confident that the Panthers will get the job done. Mm. Um, but the week after that, I don't think it matters who the Roosters play in week two. They're going to destroy someone. Yeah, I, I feel as though in week two, good luck to whoever they face. Yeah. Because I, I I agree with you. I think that, and and I think that by week three, it'll be just what you'd expect the Roosters to be in week three. You know, a real yeah. good chance to go through to the grand final. Exactly. Um, are you prepared to walk back your lamb basting comments and apologise to the Green Machine players after Ricky's baby Raiders played with an enthusiasm and quality, eyes up footy in NRL round twenty that showed they earned their spots on our TV screens. Apparently, Kenty had a had a swipe at the Raiders for uh, fielding a bunch of reserve graders. Yeah. Only for those players to come out and play some great footy. 
Mm-hmm. Sure, the defense wasn't great, but the attack was pretty damn good. Yeah, and and like it, coming into this week or last weekend, I should say, the only people I heard complaining about players being rested was the media. I exactly. didn't see a single supporter saying anything other than that's what I want my team to do, or that's what I, I understand the other teams doing it. Um, yeah, it was just media whinging. You know, you know why I reckon they whinged about it. Why? Because they don't know any of the players that would be on the field. <laughs> Probably. So we spent all year trying to remember all these players' names, and now that none of them are going to be there for round twenty. What are we going to do? Well, they ignore about. They ignore the Raiders most of the time, anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, no, exactly. I, I just it's funny because they're such outsiders and their whinging doesn't mean anything. And like the last round of footy was fantastic. It was really exciting. Um, it shows how much really good depth we have in the NRL. Well, I will say, um, from what I heard when I was watching the games, most of the commentators, like the actual play-by-play calling commentators, were quite positive about all these new players that were playing in the games. They didn't seem to be complaining about, um, you know, second-rate teams and stuff like that. They they all seemed pretty keen about it. It yeah. was just the Daily Telegraph opinion writers, sort of yeah. people who are the ones bitching and moaning. Um, yeah. I always think that whenever a team rests players like that for something like that, or usually it used to be Origin, I think it's fantastic. You get to see so many new, young, talented players out there. Yeah. And you, you never know which one of them is going to become the next absolute bloody superstar because mm-hmm. one of them will be they all have a debut game somewhere exactly yeah they yeah you know the, the opportunity you just need an opportunity to show what you can do in first grade and that can be it you know um yeah i i enjoyed it i really enjoyed the last round of footy it was i thought it was fantastic and there was two good things that come out of that game for the raiders and that was um tom starling mm-hmm. unbelievable player I've I've been talking about him for a few weeks now about how great he is and how I see him as being the Raiders' number one hooker. He's re-signed with them too. He has, and that's a very smart move by the Raiders. Mm. He's their long-term hooker. I wouldn't be surprised if he pushes Hodgson out of the club. Yeah. Um, and the other one was Sam Williams got his one and only chance to sell himself to every other NRL team, mm. and boy, he took that opportunity with two hands. Yeah, he really did. He played well, and he's... Like, he is the epitome of a, a fringe first grader. And he's had a couple of opportunities and never really taken them. But in this game, he looked really good. Um, you know, there are plenty of teams that could do worse than signing him. I reckon he would be absolutely brilliant alongside DCE. Oh, really? What's that? Because well, you'd have DC doing all the major play calling, which takes a lot of pressure off Williams. Yeah. It allows him to play a more relaxed game plan, which is kind of what we saw from him on the weekend. Yeah. You also get the added bonus of Williams' goal kicking, which has always been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I think DC would be able to take a lot of the workload off him. Mm-hmm. But Sam Williams isn't exactly a player that needs to be carried the whole way. He can do his own his own fair share of work, which would take a, a lot of playmaking pressure and especially kicking pressure off DC as well. Yeah. So it would work for both of them. I think it would be an absolute great idea and for some reason Manly decided that Kieran Forum was their solution. Yeah, man. I, th- I think Manly is... Uh, I think next year is going to be a bit of a crisis year for Manly. Yeah, they're kind of guessing. 
Speaking mm. of, I'm just going to give it off, off uh, topic here, but did you see that uh, Fox Sports put out their uh, their report card ratings for the bottom oh, eight teams? Fuck, and they I gave did. they gave Manly a C, despite the fact that they went from sixth to thirteenth in one year. Yeah, how do they get a C? I've got no idea. They gave the New Zealand Warriors an A plus in a year where they sacked their coach, got rid of a bunch of players had to loan players from other teams and miss the finals. Like, how is that an A+. plus? I'm sorry, it's not. I know that everyone wants to feel nice and warm and cuddly, but that's not a fucking A+. plus. No, no. There's there's only one team that gets an A+. plus. Yep. And they're sitting at the top of the ladder. Yep. Um, and if I was to be um, harsh but fair, mm-hmm. every team that finished ninth or lower gets an F+. Well, look, Manly, I give an F. It was, no, what look, a disaster of a year. You're either in the finals or you failed. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it, like they, who? They go there and they give the Tigers a D. I mean, no. The Tigers have been sitting ninth and pushing close to a finals position for a while now. Mm. They don't get a D. Mm. They've become the first team ever to have 10 straight games where they conceded at least 26 points. Each game. Insane. The first team to do it. You give that a D? No. At best, they get an E. At best. That team has is was just dire. Defensively dire. Mm. One of the worst defensive teams of the year, and they give them a D. Don't get it. I'm trying to think who you couldn't give who you could argue were better than F score outside of the finals. Maybe the Titans, maybe Titans had a a good run home. It wasn't a it wasn't exactly a tough run home, not a soft no. one, but not a tough run home. But they, mm. you know, you still got to win all those games, and they won five straight. So I'm willing to give them, you know, a D or an E, I guess. Yeah, it, like it's uh, still low. Yeah, and that's the thing too is that there's quite a gap between seventh and ninth. Yeah, like sharks were. Sharks only just made eighth. Yeah. And they've got... What would you give the Sharks? I mean, I'd probably give them a C, only because they beat all the teams they're supposed to. I I might give them a D. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Like, this season, like, I know they beat everyone below them and couldn't beat everyone above them, but, you know, at times they looked really bad. Yeah. What we've got this year is a... Top seven, yeah. and a tokenistic gesture towards the Sharks saying, "Well, you know, we, we'd rather just have an even number in the final." So, you're the next best. I, t- I tell you what, I would give the Newcastle Knights a D as well, because I think yep. this. I think uh, as well as they had parts of their season, the second half has been an absolute disaster, and they gave up in a lot of games. And I'd find that disgraceful. I think too much of the night season this year was just inconsistent. Yeah. Um, their attack was just stop, start, and clunky nearly all year. Mm-hmm. Um, Parramatta would probably get a C because their attack was just... They had, what, three or four games at the start of the year where they looked like they were on fire and were going to smash everyone, and then all of a sudden someone turned the switch off and they didn't know how to get it back on again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, the worst attack of any of the top eight teams. Yeah, and like 
I, I don't think they scared. They really scared everyone earlier in the year. It looked like, man, who's going to stop them? Now I don't think they scare anyone. I think the Storm are going into this next game thinking, what will we do in our week off? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the next one here? Um, is the Broncos and other clubs, I guess, dilemma a player problem, coach problem, board problem, or generational problem? Big bucks for young fellas, whether they put in or not. Now, I'm not going to put this down to generational because, as we said in our last episode, the Panthers are basically the same age squad and they finished on top of the ladder. So it's not a generation thing. Um, Board problem? Well, yes, because they hired the coach and they signed the players. Coach? Yes, because he was shit. Player problem? CEO as well. CEO, yeah. Um, A player problem? I guess this is the thing that's prevalent in any team that's struggling, whether they're a, a habitually struggling team or whether a team that's just doing it randomly every now and then, is nobody, especially professional athletes, like losing. And so once once the losses start to happen a lot and they're not close losses, they're big losses, Yeah, people start looking to want to blame someone. And that includes players. And yeah. sometimes they need to be blaming themselves. <clears throat> and sometimes they might do. But the majority of the times they're likely going to be trying to blame someone else. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem with a lot of professional athletes today. Um, a good coach will coach that out of them. And Anthony Seabold is not a good coach and never really was. Yeah, yeah, one game plan is at South, and that was um, let Damien Cook run with the ball from dummy half, and then we'll go from there. Mm. And he didn't have a hooker like that at the Broncos. He's like, um, I don't know. That was pretty much his game plan all year. Was I don't know. Yeah, I, look, I think that when and I, I've said this before, I think that the salary cap works, and the reason we see terrible teams is because those teams are really poorly run. And to be poorly run, it's got to be an, a whole of organization thing. It, like, how many t- is it possible to have a really good board and CEO and have a really bad team out in the field? Maybe one season, a one off season, but not consecutive seasons and not to the point where you're breaking defensive records for being so poor. Um, I just think it's a rot that's set into the Broncos over time. And I think we saw that rot really setting in when they brought Wayne Bennett back the second time. It's like, it was like, what are you doing? You, you sacked him for a reason. You want to change and now you bring him back. It's just not something you do. Um, and I know the Panthers did it with Ivan Cleary, but it, it, once again, it's, it's a sign you made a mistake somewhere. It's a sign someone fucked up. And, the, the thought that they were looking at bringing Wayne Bennett back a third time says everything you need to know about the Broncos and how they're run right now. Yeah, they're clueless. Yeah. And the only person they know how to get them out of that mess is the person they asked last time to come help them with that, and that was Wayne Bennett. And it didn't work. Well, he got them back playing finals footy again. But the problem they've got is they shouldn't have to come back to one person like that. Like, surely there's been enough people around the club long enough now now to know how Wayne Bennett runs a team and therefore know how to run the team when Wayne Bennett's not there. 
And for some reason, they no one's been paying attention. And that's what showed this year, is no one was paying attention. Yeah. All asleep at the wheel. We're the Broncos. We'll be fine. And that's, We've been that, fine for 30-odd years. We'll be fine. And that's the thing, man. As soon as you get a team that says, well, we're the X, Y, Z. We've got our own way. Newcastle's terrible at it. The fucking Bulldogs are terrible at it. The Broncos are doing it right now. It's like, no, no, no. As soon as as soon as I hear a team go, yeah, but we, we've got a way here in Newcastle that we do things. It's like, yeah, g- good luck. Get ready for some losses. <laughs> exactly. Um, here's one for you, Freaky. Okay. Can Nathan Cleary become an immortal? Oh, man, there'd, there'd have to be a lot. <laughs> a lot he's got to do. Jesus. <laughs> well, he's got okay. to test football first. Yeah, that that is one of those things. Okay, so let's see what he would need to do. Let's think minimum standards to be an immortal. For, say this is the best Nathan Cleary plays, and it's bloody high level already. He has to win a number of premierships, not just one. I'm I'm thinking three at least, because he needs to be the centerpiece of a of a number of premiership wins. Um, he's got to be the Australian Test halfback for eight years. He's got to be an Origin player for a good twenty plus games. Um, and and then we need to see him do some magic. Like, I'm not saying that he hasn't done some pretty bloody good stuff, but a very, very, very good halfback is not an immortal. No. Um, I, of course, I mean, he's very young, so of course he can become an immortal. But, yeah, there's quite a few boxes I think he's got to tick. Mm. Um. Like, you know what might be the thing for him? It might be a longevity thing. So say he is still a very, very good halfback when he's 37. You know, it, it, it part it, it's almost like the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James thing, okay? So Michael Jordan doesn't play as long as LeBron James and does all of these extraordinary things, but LeBron James is in, like, his 18th season and he's taking another team to the finals and he's doing it in a different conference. And, you know, it, it's, there's maybe the longevity thing can be his X factor. But, like, we're just making it up at this point. He's, what, 22, well, yeah. 23? And that's the thing is that you, I suppose what you're comparing him to there um, is kind of Cooper Cronk. Or even Cameron Smith. Well, I think Cameron Smith by is, is going to become a immortal, and I don't think it's purely because of his longevity, but mm. mainly because there hasn't been a huge list of absolute world-class, we'll always remember them, number nines in the game in Australia. Mm. There's been a lot of top-quality nines, mm. but I don't think we've seen anyone on the Cameron Smith scale where they've been as good as Cameron Smith has been at every level of the game for as long as Cameron Smith has done it. And it's not, I'm not saying that for a longevity thing, but a lot of players, they always have the thing where they start out slow, they have a, a peak, and then they slowly drop off. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Smith just came in and was at top quality very quickly, got picked in origin in, what, his second or third year, mm. and never left. 
you know, stayed, got picked in test footy around at the same time and stayed there until he decided he didn't want to play there anymore, not because yeah. his form dropped and he wasn't allowed to be, he couldn't be picked. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't want to play anymore. And still, you can still just know that this Queensland origin coach is going, I'm just going to give Cameron a call and see if he wants to play origin this year. Yeah. He's still playing that damn good that he could walk into that, that Maroon side and instantly make them better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is that he's not he's not had that drop off. He's fucking thirty seven. He's not had that drop off in form. Yeah, I think and that's the thing that makes him um, immortal is the fact that he's classy and just hasn't lost it. Yeah, and the other thing is too like that Melbourne team and the Melbourne Storm are the, the our team the team of the last twenty years without question. Yeah, and. They've had a lot of great players leave. Some of them, I mean, I think Greg Inglis is an immortal. But some great, great, great players, very elite players, some of the best players of all time leave the club. And Cameron Smith is kind of the last one standing. And all of those players left, and they're still second on the ladder. They're still one of the teams to beat. And the vast majority of that is because of Cameron Smith. And it's interesting you say about the hookers over time in rugby league. And I know there will be some people that will be aghast at you saying that. But to those people, I'd say name a hooker before 1980. And it is very, very difficult. Like there's not too many truly elite hookers before 1980. And then after 1980, as you say, there's been some very good hookers that have had a handful of very good years, but they do tail off. And a lot of them, the end of their careers is really sad. Um, and that's something that Cameron Smith hasn't had. It's really mm. weird. Yeah, he's he's next level in every way. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Um, Kenty, are you going to miss Ben Iken next year? <laughs> I don't think Ben Eichen's going to be the CEO at the Broncos. I think if Ben Eichen's a smart man, he doesn't go near the Broncos for at least five years. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, it's, a, it's a thankless role right now. You don't want yeah. to be the Dean Pay of the you know Brisbane Broncos where they want someone to go through all the bullshit and then they tap you on the shoulder just as it starts to look like it might change. Exactly. I'd, I'd be steering clear of that shit for a while. Um Bulldogs members want to oust Lynn Anderson, and the EGM is now official with 116 members signing the petition. Kenty, who are the key players behind this, and who would take the reins if they vote gets up and Lynn is removed? What's Karen doing? Oh. Karen would probably do that role. Karen's doing everything else. Probably email that one in too. Do you reckon, do you reckon Karen would need a second phone for the Bulldogs gig? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, I, I, you know what? I think that Karen could use the same phone, but get it with the two different numbers. You know, you can do that now with the... Uh, the that might be a bit tricky. Yeah, it's I, a reckon, task, I right? reckon what Karen would do is... Because yeah. I'm fairly certain Karen would have uh, 33 tens. <laughs> right? And remember with the 33 tens, you could, you could, you could interchange the, the covers on them. Mm-hmm. And you could get them themed in any way you want. So I reckon Karen's got 13310 and it's got a Warriors case on it. Yeah. Just get another one of the Bulldogs case on. That way you know which one's for which job. You can't muck it up. You sit there and you look at it and go, oh, yeah, this is the Warriors one. Don't talk about stuff to do with the Bulldogs on that one. We'll just put that one over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, get the Bulldogs one for this year, and I'll know it. I'm doing the right thing. You can't muck it up. There's no cross wires there. Mm-hmm. The cases will save him. 
And you could do that. You could have another one which just got a bunch of dickheads on the case. He goes, oh, that's my media phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then there, I feel like there'd be a case with his face on it. And he just rings it up and he leaves voicemails for himself saying... I was going to say, that might be for his um the the tweets he saves as drafts so he can use them when he gets on Twitter. And all of them start with, I knew when... <laughs> See, I knew that yeah. this play, that X would be a great player. <laughs> oh, shit. I think uh, I that hey, by the way, with the Bulldog sport, right... This board come in and they took over from a board that was fuck that fucking annihilated the club, right? Yeah. And the club hasn't moved too many steps forward, but at least it's not being annihilated like the previous board annihilated the club. And I always feel as though, and it's weird with Parramatta and the Bulldogs in particular, they always have a lot of bullshit going around their board. And sometimes I feel like these clubs really could use completely independent people that don't have anything to do with the club that are just business people coming in and just doing a job for five years and they'll never get that but it, you know the bulldogs could really use some people coming in that if you said to them this is a family club they'd say what what are you talking about what yeah, does a family I, club mean i i get where you're coming from and to a large part i agree i think though lee anderson has done Quite a fair bit of good work with the club. Um, obviously, massively hamstrung by what had happened to the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few off-season incidents, which which caused them to lose sponsors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the Bulldogs did during Mad Monday this year was brilliant. Oh, yeah. It was all about repairing brand image, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went out and they did a whole heap of charity work and, and things like that. And I think that's that's a really brilliant thing to be doing, especially in the current climate with coronavirus and, you know, the bushfires, stuff like that. You know, it's, the community's been absolutely decimated all year. And I think those players going out of their way to do something good on a day when they would usually be going out and mucking up and getting on the piss, I think that was an absolutely brilliant move by the club. Yeah. And should definitely be getting congratulated for it. I, and I hope that other clubs do it. It doesn't have to be something they do every year, but I think this year in particular, I think it's something that would be a really good gesture for a lot of clubs to do. Yeah, definitely. And it's it for those players too, it's their chance to be out the bubble and actually do something with the community finally. And so that'll be fun for them on some level. I think the thing with the Bulldogs fans need to remember is that the club was run completely into the ground and to the point where like in 2020, they've still got problems with their salary cap Mm. because of what had happened. And the previous CEO in the time that they're trying to get their salary cap back, managed to go to rugby union, completely destroy rugby union to the point where they haven't got a TV deal. The super rugby competition is dissolved. They, they bent over backwards for their major sponsor who ditched them anyway. They sacked their biggest star by a long, long way. Like, the, the, the person that destroyed the Bulldogs also destroyed another whole sport in Australia. That's the level of destruction that the Bulldogs have to come back from. It's also worth noting, too, that the Wallabies also lost their longest sponsor ever in Qantas. I think Qantas have been with them for over 20 years. Yep, yep. That's the one I was talking about. And, like, they 
Remember, they said they'd got rid of Israel Flower, and it, like I'm not getting into the political bullshit with it, but they said we we had to get rid of Israel Flower because our major sponsor was like, you got to get rid of him, and we couldn't afford to lose him. And the major sponsor walked out on him anyway, and it was for different circumstances. But it's it's just like you look at where Rugby Union went under that administration, and it like it's gone, it's disappeared in Australia, it's, it's fucking dead. And that's what the Bulldogs are trying to come back from. Yeah. I think the other thing, just, just quickly on Israel Folau, we said it at the time that all Rugby Union had to do is come out and say, you know what, we we don't agree with his views, mm-hmm. but we we are not going to stop him from practising his faith. Mm-hmm. But behind closed doors, as you said, Israel, you can go follow whatever faith you want. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. And you know what? It, it seems pretty clear to me that that's exactly what the Catalan Dragons have done because we've not heard peep from Israel Folau and no one's talking about Israel Folau anymore and he's just playing footy yeah. and everything's fine. And you think, such an easy way to solve it. If a team playing rugby league in France could figure that out, how come Rugby Union couldn't do it? Like yeah. they had to take some sort of moral high ground thing to try and show that there's, I don't, I don't know what they were trying to prove. Mm. But in the end, all they were doing was shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Because they, they made a, a ledge for them to stand on. But they also sent a message to a lot of other people who've got the same religious beliefs as Falao that we don't condone the way you practice your religion. And so you you can you can have it. Don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tricky area to be standing on. It is, yeah. And, I mean, it's... Well, you know, you're trying to say to the players, you can talk about your religion, but only talk about the happy, lovely stuff. Don't talk yeah. about the nasty stuff that's in religion because every religion's got the nasty stuff. Just talk about the cuddly, cuddly, free, you know, everyone's happy, friendly mm. type stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, 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 and they really made a rod for their own back because it, it, there's there's as soon as you step into that arena, the double standards are there. It's like there are plenty of other players from different religions. I just ask them simple questions, you know, and if they, depending on where they are on the scale of how closely they follow that religion or not, or how extreme you can get with every single religion, Mm -hmm. um, you could get some answers that are like horrifying. And, you know, it it was just they, they waded into the pool and, you know, it was a pool full of shit. Now, next one. Now that all the coaching jobs are sorted in the NRL, what are you guys going to talk about now for the for the other forty so for the other forty seven minutes of each episode? <laughs> or will you somehow find a way to spin the entire final series as being yet another Machiavellian Bennett soap opera? It's a good question. <laughs> oh, that is a very good question. Um, I'll tell you what they'll talk about. They'll mm. bitch about the refs. Yeah, inconsistency. What happens yeah. if that happens in when, the grand final? When there's nothing to bitch about, there's nothing to complain about, <clears throat> noise fall back on the refs. Yeah, yeah. Why, well, why would you talk because about the game? The reason why you talk about the refs and bitch about them is because they don't defend themselves, and the person who is hired to talk on, you know, to the media on behalf of the refs shits on the referees as well. Yeah, yeah. is probably the worst yeah. In any sort of outlet for yeah, he picks them apart every week. Yeah, and yeah. T- tells the media where to blame them. Yeah, and it's not his fault. I know he's the boss, but it's not his fault. He's got a Rolex, so. Um, 
Why do West Tigers get referred to as the boys from Concord? Well, it's because that's where their head office is. Yeah, yeah. They need to build an identity and become known as the team from Campbelltown and build on the junior base there like Penrith has in their region if they're ever going to compete with the best teams. Discuss. Um, well, they can't discuss because I don't know how. Hooper would yell at something. Um, we said this before. I think they need to be out at Campbelltown as well. Just makes logical sense. Yep. Um, part of the problem you got, though, is the only way you can build on a junior base is by having really good, um, you know, people within the club who have got an eye for talent. Mm-hmm and people who are good at recruitment and retention. And these are things that the Tigers don't have, and I yeah. don't recall if they've ever had them. And no. That's something they need to do at an administration level, and it's something that they're not willing to do anytime soon. Yeah. Um, point proven is when they had an opportunity to do that, they went and hired the person that used to do the job pretty poorly and then put them back in again. So it doesn't matter where you put the West Tigers um, – they're just going to constantly be the way they are right now. And it's not yeah. the coach. It's not the players they sign. Some of it's contributing, but that's not the whole thing. The way you get a team like Penrith is you get a good system set up. You get people involved in the club who are good at spotting talent and signing them and keeping them at the club. That's what Penrith have done. That's what the West Tigers don't do. Simple as that. Yeah, and like you look at, you just look at some of the players that we know have come out of Minto. You know. Yeah. Just Israel just Minto. Just Minto. Israel Falea. Jared Hayne. Jared Hayne, yep. Um something tells me Brian Hoffman came from the Campbelltown region. Yeah. Uh yeah. Aren't that, the Michellos from down there too? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. The thing see the thing about Penrith is Penrith is in a unique situation that their junior the base and all you've got to do is, as as the Penrith Panthers themselves, is turn up, and the junior base is going to turn out talent because it's been turning out talent for, well, now thirty plus years, like top level talent, and the Campbelltown region should be doing the same thing. They, it really should be. It's a big enough region to do that. Um, I agree that West Tigers should be a Campbelltown based club. And look, if it was me, if I ran the West Tigers, I that my thing would be we're a Campbelltown-based club, we're moving away from the Balmain thing, um, and that would be it. But, you know, it's easy for me to say that. They can still have the Balmain thing, but just say, you know what, we'll take one game a year, maybe two, to Leichhardt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll still have the investment in the Balmain region for juniors, so we can have that pathway coming as well. You can never have too many pathways. But the majority of their games... You, know, you get, what, 12 home games a year? They should be playing at least, I don't know, at least eight of those home games a year at a Campbelltown Stadium, and a mm-hmm. Campbelltown Stadium that should be getting upgraded. Yeah, yeah. And that the, should the be clubs, their goal. Yeah, the club should go to a, the the local council and the state government and say, look, how many games do you want us to play at Campbelltown every year for you to invest a shit ton of money in it to upgrade it? Mm-hmm. And whatever they come back with, say, right, that's how many home games we're playing at Campbelltown. Yeah, and even if it's not Campbelltown Stadium itself, even if they say, look, we want to be down here because the airport's getting built, you know, in 20 and 30 years' time, this whole area is going to be gigantic. It's going to be a bit one of the hubs of Sydney, um, and we want to be here full-time. That's what the the club should be focusing on right now, Mm -hmm. and I agree with you. Like, if they – the thing for me is – 
the whole Balmain side of the thing, it's almost as though, say, the paramedic eels still, like, they were like, yeah, we've got a thing with Glebe, though. And it's like, yeah, but Glebe's been dead for a long time. What are you talking about? And and they're still trying to service that thing. The West Tigers need to be the West Tigers. They need to be the this club that it is now and stop looking back at the good old days because good old days weren't that fucking good, quite honestly, and they need to look at their future. Their future isn't playing out of fucking Leichhardt Oval. There's 100% no, it's, not. it's not playing out of Leichhardt Oval. No, and Leichhardt Oval is never getting an upgrade. No. It's just going to look the same as it is, and after a while, I mean, that's there already, but, you know, after a while, they will not be able to play games there anymore at all. Yeah. Yeah, they're barely justifying it now. That's why we don't see any games there at all anymore. And when they do play there, it has to be during the day because they've got to pay extra money to get lights in there and stuff for night games. It's just Mm -hmm. a massive expense every time they go there. So, yeah, they need a stadium out at Campbelltown, and it's one that's got to hold at least 25,000 people. And it's got to look like a proper stadium, not look like someone's just put up an allotment shed on the side of a hill. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be an actual stadium. And, like, I know the NRL has changed tack from wanting to have the big stadiums done to some smaller stadiums for the, you know, certain clubs, and I would 100% back Campbelltown or that region down there getting a new stadium because, as I said, like, it's going to be a major part of Sydney with the new airport, with all of the development that's going down there, and that's the way that Sydney's going to spread its wings is down towards that that southwest corner of the city and you know that that it's all theirs it's theirs and only a stupid club would be looking anywhere else when they've already got all of that yep agree um ask kenty thoughts on the length of the regular season now it's finished i still prefer 25 rounds with a buy in the middle yeah i've always liked 22 i like 22 as well you could have two split rounds Remember the split rounds we used to have? You play half the games uh, either side of an Origin game. Mm-hmm. I can't I, see the Origin. I can't do those I, again. I think 22 is fantastic. I think this 20-round season has been great. I think that... But I, I think 22 is the ideal number. And, um, you know, the thing to remember is we had, what was it, a month, month and a half off because of the corona break earlier this year. Um, so I think 22 is great. And I, as I said a couple of episodes ago, I've really liked playing straight through no origin break. There, there's been something about that that's I've really enjoyed. Yeah, I think if we went with you know 22 rounds and we went through a whole season, when the final round of the season would be pretty much a month ago now. Mm-hmm. So you'd have all your finals done by the last week of September. So you would be doing a grand final, you know, probably last weekend or this weekend. Mm-hmm. That would give you October to still have three origin games mm-hmm. and then you can play your internationals October, November, which is kind of around about the time we usually play them anyway. Yeah. And the only problem I see with that, and it's something the Kiwis decided uh, because there was a, a couple of years, I think where we played the origin series and then played the Kiwis and it, it started to just become an ambush because you've got these origin players who, you know, they're, they're, it's like hardening steel and then they go against the Kiwis who come together at the last minute and they were just getting annihilated. And the Kiwis oh. were like, we're not doing that anymore. You can fuck that off from now on. You still um, can play against Tonga. Yeah. And, I'd be up for and that. Samoa. Yeah. But the, the thing is, 
if you have an origin series for Australia and then we start playing internationals, we might see Australia like absolutely crushing some oh, nations. You, you just have New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, PNG. They can all play test matches amongst themselves yeah. around the origin period. And Australia doesn't play any internationals until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes it fair for everyone. Yeah. See how it goes. I, I'm really interested to see how we all enjoy the Origin series at the end of the year. Because I think we're either all going to go, wow, this is friggin' amazing, or we're going to go, it doesn't really feel like Origin. Yeah, I think the I think the good thing about it is we're not being distracted in the middle of the year by Origin, but I've got a feeling that the media is going to distract from finals footy while they talk about Origin because that's inevitably what's going to happen. Yeah, there's that possibility. I know that uh, Nathan Cleary said this year he was he was kind of happy to not have the noise around Origin following him, which I thought I found was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Love the show. Wow. What? That's a bit odd. Uh, do you think the NRL should adopt the Super League Finals format where teams choose their opponents? I don't know if that's what happens. My stop teams resting their best players at the end of the regular season. That's an atrocious idea. I don't think that would work in Australia because I think if... It doesn't work in England. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But I think that, say the Panthers said, we want to play the Sharks. I I think that the Sharks would say, fuck you cunts, and they would come out and breathe some fire. Yeah, I... The problem with that with that rule, okay, is it what are you doing week two? Well, that's a good point. I like or, do you pick you know how do you determine which teams get the you know, get excluded from the first week of finals? Mm-hmm. What if Penrith says, you know what? Yeah, we want to play the Sharks and the Sharks come out and they do a number on Penrith. Mm-hmm. Did Penrith get kicked out? You can't, they're first on the ladder. Mm. So what do you do? Like who gets kicked out? It's a stupid idea. It just raises more issues than it does solutions. And there's also a thing of like, do we really want the final series to turn into this bullshit Mickey Mouse thing where it's like, and now we're going to hear who they select to play next week. It's like, no. I'm surprised they didn't ask if they should get, you know, Domino's involved and provide pizza for everyone. (laughs) Stupid idea. Um, This one here. Can Israel Falau be selected for Queensland? I guess he could. But so. that would come down to whether the NRL would allow him to play in it, and I don't think they're open to that. No, I would say they're not. They might. Are there rules that they brought in where you couldn't play overseas? No, because remember, play. Alan Langer did it. Yeah, but I thought that they brought in a rule after that where you couldn't. And maybe, oh. maybe they just talked about it, where if you're overseas, you couldn't be brought into the team. Unless that country's New Zealand. Well, yeah. Let's face it. New Zealand a country, or is it really just a, you know, a, a local government? <laughs> it's just a, a general rule with, with an exclusion already. <laughs> you know what? Anybody that's upset about what I said, go and look at the New Zealand Constitution. They have the ability to come become a state of Australia still. It yeah. was written into their constitution. One of my, it's one of my favourite local councils, New Zealand. <laughs> it's like Bondi East. 
Yeah, it really is. Um, who is the number one ranked referee coming into the final series? Well, it was Gavin Badger. Yeah, but my, my answer to that is who gives a shit? <laughs> Phil Gould. Yeah, um, <laughs> he hasn't got a. He's never got a ruling wrong. Just asking. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, what guarantee is there at Brisbane that Kevy will be there when Bellamy arrives? Who's to say Bellamy will be there? And why would yeah. they have a guarantee on that? I dare say they would have signed Kevy up to a number of years contract. Well, if it's Brisbane, they've signed him to a five-year deal for about four million bucks. Mm. I don't know. I haven't heard how long he signed for though. No, I haven't heard yet. Um, is the Roosters organisation showing that they rely too heavily on Cooper Cronk? After one loss, I don't think so. Yeah, what the? F- what are they talking about? Cooper Cronk sits on the fucking panel at Fox Sports this whole year talking about mm. how <clears throat> Cooper Cronk likes hearing his own voice. <laughs> um, it is reported Kevy will be on half a million dollars per year at the Broncos. How does that amount rate against the other first grade coaches? Seems low to me after what they paid the previous coach. Well, they had to pay out what three years in the previous coach or two years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that would have been right. That one was high. Um, yeah. I don't know what what coaches are worth these days. Yeah, it, depend, was... it depends on if they've got a son playing in the team that they're going to. <laughs> Fuck you. See what what Brisbane should have done, yeah. or what Kevy should have done. He should have said to his son, <laughs> "Ditch the Tigers and come up to the Broncos." Yeah, and I'll make it worth our while. That would be interesting. <laughs> imagine if imagine if someone at Brisbane did that and they're like, we've seen what the Panthers are doing, we really like it. So we've brought the Walters brothers in. We're also gonna bring the Johns Johns brother the fucking brothers and that in. We're gonna then we're gonna bring the Johns brothers in as assistant coaches. They just stack up. They just stack the entire club with you know Families. Yeah. They can be the family club. Yeah. The, then they the, can bring in the Walker brothers as assistant coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kenty, are the NRL going to sanction Mitchell and Adokar over pleading guilty to firearm offences? The original sanctions were for COVID breaches only. I didn't know that they got done for firearm offences. I thought Mitchell got done for breaching COVID, and I don't think Adokar got anything. I think one of them had a firearms breach. Um, would have been Adokar, because I don't think he had a licence. I Look, it might have been, and I, I can't remember exactly who who the firearms belong to, but I think there might be laws where if you own a firearm, um, you can't allow an unlicensed person yeah. to use that firearm. Um, people are people in Australia are funny about guns, and like I guess it's a good thing at the end of the day. But uh, you know, I just think the the law will handle it. Yeah, I don't think the NRL needs to do anything there. It's not like they did no. anything that harmed anyone. No, it was just... Uh, Other than themselves being idiots. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, like he was shooting at fucking tin cans or something. Yeah. On a private property out in the bush. Yeah. yeah. Um, with West not willing to swap a player who Melbourne consider of equal value, what are the odds of Adokar now remaining at the Storm and see at his contract or sitting at the 2021 season? Um. I don't know what the first part of that's about, but I don't think Adokar will sit out the year. No. Um, I'm fairly certain that Melbourne will let him go. Mm-hmm. Melbourne's just posturing because they want to get something back in return. 
That's all. And that's what you expect any club to do when you lose a test player. Yeah, well, like a few, I think it was about a month ago, I heard Maguire saying how uh, they weren't going to swap North Luma for, uh, for Addo Carr. And he said, like, he's a West Tiger through and through. He doesn't want to go anywhere. So maybe that's what that's about. But maybe, maybe Mads should offer maybe Robert Jennings. They'd be equal, wouldn't they? Robert Jennings, Addo Carr. How many Robert Jennings? All of the Robert Jennings that are currently on the books of the West Tigers. <laughs> I think there's one that's going by the name Russell Packer. There might be what? another one by the name of Josh Reynolds. Okay, okay so <laughs> they just have a different name. Um, okay, so just say you're the West Tigers. Just say you're the Melbourne Storm, sorry. Yeah. And you want something in return for for Addo Carr. And you have a look at the West Tigers team and, and North Loom is not, not on the list. Um, who is your next picks? Probably one of the forwards. I'd probably... It, it might Josh, be... Josh, Josh Alloway. I'd probably um, look at Luciano Lailua, hey? Yeah. There'd be Lailua, um, Josh Alloway. Yeah. He's, he's an absolute... He's an absolute gun, that kid. Um, Alex Twole. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. And Benji Marshall. <laughs> and, and if I'm... The Melbourne Storm, and that's the way I'm looking. I feel as though I can get way more from another club. Oh yeah, I mean, Tigers have got such slim pickings to choose from in this area. Um, you, okay, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Parramatta, the Melbourne Storm rings up and says, "We'll give you Addo Car, but we want Sevo." Who says no? No, I think I think Parramatta needs Sevo. If if I think if I was Parramatta, I'd say, tell you what, instead of Sevo, how about Blake Ferguson? Yeah, see, and, and I think the Storm say no. That's right. So, I, like, I feel as though, because Gatto Carr, he's a bloody good player, and he's a he's he's be, getting better. He's not just a try scorer. He's not just, like, he's getting that all-round game that the great wingers have. Yeah. And I feel as though he could, especially when you look at Sevo's second half of the year, and I think he's been carrying an injury, but I feel as though that's not a bad swap for both clubs. Addo Carr is going to cost a lot of money. Sevo goes to Melbourne. He costs a lot less money. The Parramatta Eels know they're not going to have a big problem when Sevo comes off contract and everyone's going to be saying, oh, well, are you going to sign him or is this going to be another Simi Radradra deal? I, I, it might be a good swap. Like, what other clubs in Sydney? Because he wants to come to Sydney at Ocar. What other clubs could swap a, a talent where the Melbourne Storm know they could get someone like a Sevo, slot him straight into their team and, and not miss a beat? Mm, yeah. Penrith? Yeah, and like... I, and I think Penrith say no just because... They've got a production line and they yeah. don't have to invest that much. They don't need any. Yeah. Um, would. Oh, here's, here's one for you then. Okay. This is a fun little game. Okay. You bring up the your Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. You bring up the Dragons. Mm-hmm. You say, any chance that we let you have Josh out of car and in return we take Zach Lomax? <sighs> oh. 
I think that I I think the dragons would do that in a second. But, uh, they absolutely they would. Yeah. I don't think they should, but I think they would absolutely. They they drop their hands. Like, yep, done. Where can we sign? We've yeah. already packed Zach's bags. <laughs> He's at the airport waiting for your signature. It's an interesting one. What what about what about if they? Okay, what about at the end of this season? If the Morris brothers, and I don't know that they're going to do this, but just say the Morris brothers both say, yep, that'll do us. We're off into the sunset. And so the Sydney Roosters need a little bit of strike out wide. Who could they swap? You know, you know who would be. You know who would be the most Melbourne player ever? Who's that? Victor Radley. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think they'd give him up, though. I was thinking, if I was the Roosters, I'd be bringing up the uh, the Storm and say, you know what, we'll take Addo Carr, and in return, we'll give you Ryan Hall and any other back that's not playing, not a regular first grader for us. But and, we'll, feel... and we'll give you, and we'll give you half a million dollars. I feel like the Storm would say, we'd like a football player back, though. <laughs> I reckon the Storm would say, okay, we'll take Ryan Hall, and then we'll take Ikevalu, because he can play on the wing, and we'll take your half a million cash. Do you... I, do you okay, here's one. Actually, actually, that, that goes out another line, because see, what the Roosters should be doing is just ringing up Canberra and say, hey, Ricky, I've got a pom here. Do you want him? <laughs> <laughs> That's... That's hilarious. Oh, that's hilarious. That's that's brilliant. Ricky goes, yep. Don't Do you reckon? Know who he is? No. No, nah, nah, just send him up, man. Send him over. He'll be good. You can Ricky, have... Uh, oh, we know. Gosh, Ricky probably turn, Ricky turn him into a... I was going to say, Ricky turn him into a bloody tri-score winger at that rate, too, probably. Yeah, true. Um, okay, do, do the... Would the, would the Sydney Roosters switch... Swap Tupo for Josh Adokar. I think they would, and I think he'd be a pretty good replacement. Yeah, that's a very much a like for like deal. Mm, mm. I think they they you could do something with. I think Tupo is underrated, especially like he's a different sort of weapon because of his hit the high ball sort of game that he's got. Yeah, and he's more of that um, you know bump and barge sort of winger, not one that's just pure pace. Yeah, yeah. He'll run through someone instead of trying to run around him. Yeah. Because if I'm the Storm, I want to lower my cost on the wing but get somebody that I know I don't have to think about for the next few years. And I think that he'd be a good he'd be a good like that. I think that Sivo would as well, but eventually I think that they're gonna, they would lose him because they would say, yeah, we're not paying you that much. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got, I've got another one. I've got another yeah. one. Oh, okay. One yeah. more. Yeah, they go to the Dragons. They say Lomax and Ravalawa. Oh, that might be pushing it. They still might have to throw in someone else. Riley Jacks. Have a good <laughs> brother. <laughs> Riley Jacks and a John's brother. <laughs> it's interesting, anyway. It is, it is. Um, is the NRL still assessing the merits of private equity? Would selling off a stake in the game provide an opportunity to purchase and invest in assets 
be it Stadia or even acquiring the English Super League competition. Now, let's have a chat about this, okay? Because we if, didn't talk about this on the podcast, did we? No, we've, we've discussed this before yeah. um, off air. Yeah. So if the NRL decided to sell off 25 30% of the game in return for a big chunk of cash, and the NRL says, right, we're now going to acquire the English Super League, what do you think the NRL should do with the Super League? Okay, well, okay. let's say they do that, and that would be about as bad of an investment as I think you could come up with, right? But just well, say they did that. Well, just say maybe the NRL can make a way for it to work financially. Because obviously okay. this is that's one thing the NRL knows how to do, and that's how to make themselves money. Yeah. Okay, so the thing that I would do, I'm the NRL, I'm taking over Super League. I, I, the first thing I do is Toronto's back in. I want a team in London. I want another team in France. Um, do, you and, want, do you want one in New York? If they can make that work, yes. And I want the, the team in Ottawa as well. Like, it, it, the future for Super League needs to be an expanded, uh, northern hemisphere competition like that because the alternative is that it is an m62 graveyard of old dead clubs and a a game that is just a you know it's something that is interesting if you're looking at the history of that area but you don't really care about it um so you need to expand that what but here's the thing i think it is way cheaper if the NRL is looking to do something like that, to say, hey, why don't we just sign up the Catalan Dragons, Toulouse, Ottawa, New York, London Broncos, and Toronto, have our own competition, maybe chuck in another couple of expansion clubs in there. I think it would be cheaper to do that than to go to Super League. Because then you have this brand-new competition you can sell it in a number of different countries. Your costs are going to be lower. You don't have to deal with all the political bullshit that is going to come out of, you know, a bunch of small towns in northern England. You just do it yourself. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I, think, I think the two comps idea is a must, mm-hmm. but the English one does need a massive, massive overhaul. And I think the first thing they've got to start doing is stop trying to copper uh, copy the systems that work in soccer. So mm-hmm. promotion relegation scrapped, completely mm-hmm. scrapped. You need to have a system like the NRL where you just have a bunch of teams who get accepted into the competition. Okay. You have a 16-team top top um, top comp. Everyone else is a feeder club for the top teams. Mm-hmm. You know, and they can play second and third division all sort of stuff but they all just feed into the team in the comp above them, and that team feeds into the Super League. So there's a progression for players. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the Super League needs to have at least have 16 teams. It needs to have teams from a lot more places than just Northern England. Mm-hmm. Um, as just all those teams you discussed, um, you know, Birmingham, uh, Newcastle, and, yeah, all those places in Canada, US, France, um, yeah, try and get teams wherever you can 
try and get teams from other parts of 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 uh, Europe if you need to. You know, a team in Italy, get one in yeah. Greece. You know, the game's growing there. Take advantage of it. Try and settle it a bit more. And when you open up yourself up to more countries, you open yourself up to a better TV deal as well. Um, I'd also have the NRL say, you know what, we're going to do a thing too where they join the TV rights deals for both games into one. So you get every single English Super League game shown on TV in Australia and in England and every other country where they've got the teams playing in it. Because that's the best way to get more exposure so you can appeal to more big-name sponsors. And the other one is get a deal with an airline, a prominent airline, because you're going to be using them a fucking shitload. <laughs> See, get a deal the- and say, you know what, get like Qantas and say, you know what, now that you're not sponsoring Rugby Union, yeah. why don't you come on board with us? We'll, we'll give you the naming rights for the competition. Um, you can be a sponsor on God knows what else, referees, jumpers. You can put you up on the big screen on the for the you know third you know video ref that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll name the trophy after you. We'll do all this stuff for you, and we're going to be using you everywhere for all of these places. Look at where all the teams are based. You're going to be using you for all of these flights, and all we want in return is discounted flights. And a bit of cash. What if, right? What if you see? I just think there's too many problems with the English game, and I don't think you need the English game, right? What if you this? What if the NRL says we want a Northern Hemisphere competition? We don't want to spend heaps of money, but we want to build something. So you get you get ten teams together. And the salary cap is a million bucks a season, and you have an 18, 18 game season, right? So it's a shorter season. You're keeping your costs lower. You've also got the ability to maybe each club can sign a marquee player for, I don't know, let's say $500,000 on top of that, but no more. But you've got to prove you can financially do that. And you do. You you look for clubs in as many different places as possible. I think that's way cheaper to do and way more realistic and something that you can then offer as a pathway to players from the Southern Hemisphere to go into these this competition. I, I think that that's way better of an idea to do than to even deal with Super League for a second. Because I, I, I agree with you with a lot of your ideas that that in an ideal world, Super League's are like a 16-team competition and all the grades blow or defeated competitions and stuff, but they're never, ever going to do it. And the thing that scares me about Super League is that Sky doesn't want to show all their games. And I've got no doubt that Super League has said, we'd love to you know, show all the games, and Sky's gone, nah, we're good with three or four a week. Um, and, and that's a problem. And I think that you could start your own your own Northern Hemisphere competition for less, not deal with Super League's bullshit. It'd be a way big, bigger expanded competition and something that you could really build upon. And I think that if you could get it going and proven that it is the future of the game there, I think the likes of Leeds, Wigan, St. Helens and that would come to you one day and they'd say, hey, we're interested in joining this. And How that's way eight? cheaper. How about a Euro League type competition? So instead of just having a bunch of English teams, yeah, just have teams that 
represent the capital city of a whole heap of European nations. Well, that would kind of be like and, my yeah. thought of a World Club Challenge, where it's the yes. top team from each country plays in that, as in well, a knockout. It'd comp. be similar to that, but obviously you're not going to be drawing entirely on local talent. You're going to be yeah. able to assign whoever the hell you want. Yeah. So it means it's going to be a competitive competition. So what you're advertising to players is look at some of the places in the world you can go and live in for a few years, mm. you know, and you can sort of sell that angle to it. Mm-hmm. And that way you can have, any, you know, James Maloney can go and play for Belgium or someone like that, you know, Brussels <laughs> um, or Stockholm. It's just, it'd be, it'd be a very unique system like that. So instead of having um, countries, you'd be going by capital city, but you play all throughout Europe. See, I feel like that's what that Euro 13s is trying to do, but on a obviously a a, a lower scale in terms of um, how much money they're spending on the player base. It is a bit. I think the problem with it, though, is it's going to be a bit unbalanced if it's going to have even England and France in there against other European nations because you just know which two teams are going to finish on top all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think if you open it up so that players from anywhere can play for any team. You don't have to be from the area or from the country to represent them. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be enough to get interest in those games and get the local games going. And it wouldn't take too long before you start getting genuine top-level local talent making their way into the top grade. And that's going to be good for international footy everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know, I was reading an interesting thing yesterday. The South African super rugby teams have joined the French Rugby Union competition, club rugby union competition. And there's two trains of thought to it. The first one is that what you need to do is focus on having a local competition and it's kind of frivolous to bring in expansion clubs from that far away. And the other train of thought is that it that adds excitement and helps you in the long run in terms of you're almost got this cross-pollination of um, playing styles and strengths and it should build everyone up and you get as many nations involved as possible. And I, yet there's merits to both sides of it. I think in Australia, we kind of lean towards wanting to have as many different places involved as possible. And that might have to do with the fact that we're such an isolated country that it's fun for us to have, you know, it's it's a real novelty for us to have teams from other parts of the world. Whereas in Europe, they've been playing European soccer for so long, it's like, oh, yeah, you play France, who gives a shit? Whereas for us, it would be really exciting. Um, I wonder if you can get French Rugby League up to a point where if they can have... Because at the moment, they've got the Catalan Dragons and Toulouse, who are the, the real powerhouse sort of teams. If you could get a couple of extra teams up to that sort of level, maybe you could build around French Rugby League. That's something I'd be definitely keen on. Mm. Because as you say, it's a bloody good character, say, to a player. Like, you want to go from being a semi-professional player in Australia and New Zealand to being a full-time professional... And you can live in Paris. How's that sound? Yeah, check out all the wine. Mm, and the cheese. Cheese. There you go. Um, when there is a positive story to be written, why do your journo colleagues instead dredge up negative rubbish from years ago? 
Well, that's easy. Because they're cunts! <laughs> um, do you think poor Darius Boyd was roped into the gender reveal by his missus? If you follow her on social media, it was probably hard for the bloke to wiggle his way out of it. I, I obviously don't follow. I don't... Yeah. But I would say this. Um, he was probably very excited, but I think people that do gender reveals in general are fucking douchebags. Yeah. Agreed. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Like, exactly. You, you know, I'm happy for you, right? But I like that you're going to reveal it like it's some fucking thing I'm supposed to be excited about. Whatever. Just tell me when you've shit the thing out into the grass and I'll come and look at it. The gender reveals are just uh, fucking stupid. Can you imagine if I <laughs> if I said to you, hey, Andrew, I'm having a kid. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I've Watch invited this video. You, yeah, I, I've invited you to a gender reveal. Man, you're not going to believe it. I'd expect you to say I'm fucking busy. Piss off. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that brute. I'd just say, look, I've just bought some new socks, and I've got to try them on. So, <laughs> send me the video, and I'll promise <laughs> I'll get someone I know to watch it and tell me what the fuck happens. Okay, I've got, <laughs> I've got an idea. Right, I've got. You know, idea. I'm not. I'm not a prick. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm a prick. <laughs> no, I'm, no, no. You just said that you're. The response you you were hoping I'd give you it just made yeah. me out to be a bit of a prick. I just wanted to water that down a little bit. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Here's what I think we need to do. And it's only fair to our listeners, right? You and the missus need to have a baby. Another baby, right? Uh-huh. And we'll test this theory out. Uh-huh. So well, have I got to do a gender reveal thing? Get yes. Get to work. <sighs> get to work. <laughs> just wake up wake up the missus. Uh, tomorrow morning say listen it's for the podcast you'll be fine about it. <laughs> do you think i don't know what, what a, a good gender reveal is see in my in my method the the way i do gender reveals i go it's a girl <laughs> and then i move on with my fucking life i don't need people to see fucking pink smoke flying up out of a balloon or a fucking golf ball or some horse shit fucking what oh man I fucking hate gender reveals. What would be the best? What would be the best gender reveal? I'll tell like you. I'll tell you way. what the best would be. Yeah. This is what I do. Yeah. I drop my pants and fart, and if the colour that comes out of my ass is pink, then it's a girl. Wow. That's interesting. And if it comes out brown, then you know it's a boy. I, I think. I think. I if, it comes would... out, if it comes out pink and brown, then you know I've probably just eaten a bit too much curry. <laughs> then, you've, then you've got cancer. All um, that too, yeah. <laughs> of all the pink shit just stuffed in there. What if what if the gender reveals were like really um like grounded? So it's like instead of doing the gender reveal, you you say it's got a life expectancy of this, and everyone goes, <laughs> "Oh, it's going to be a boy then, hey? It's going to die earlier. Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> or you'd be like. It's it's gonna uh it's gonna only earn seventy five percent of what a boy would earn. Ah, oh, you're having a girl, congratulations. That sort of shit. Yeah. It's, it's um it's, oh, gonna, it's, it's so not gonna it's not gonna be able to dunk. Oh you're having a girl. That's lovely. <laughs> oh you're having a white child. 
Or what's what about uh it's going to be responsible for most of the traffic accidents. Oh, you're having a boy. Congratulations. Just that sort of thing. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to better than Lego, how happy are you that you do not have to bump into Gordon Tallis in the Fox studio anymore? <laughs> yeah. Gordy's, Gordy's been up there in Queensland with this. I think it's him, Billy Slater, and Darren Lockyer, I think. They've all been... Have to had to stay in Queensland, eh? Not a bad thing. Yeah. Is there any chance that we can turn the cameras off while they're up there? <laughs> you you know what's funny is some of these people that are doing those crosses. Apart from the fact that none of them know about video or audio, which is pretty funny. Some of the stuff that's behind them, like there's some people, they just whatever's behind them that it's fine right but some of them you know they've set up a little scene behind them oh yeah try hards oh man it's funny <laughs> there was um, i watched the presidential debate today and then i switched on sky news i had a bunch of goofballs on and one of them their background was so fucking try hard i couldn't believe it <laughs> i like the one of paul kent because he's sat in front of his library with a heap of rugby league books behind you to make it look like he's well read yeah yeah, that was a good one. All brand new. <laughs> all brand new. Never been read. <laughs> For all we know, he just went to the local library. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Matty Johns on Mad Dog's Manshake, or did he just give up beer? Yeah, he's, he's lost a bit of weight. I noticed that. I think maybe what's just happened is um, all the shit started flying out of both holes instead of just one. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I don't watch the Matty John show ever. It's just not my sort of thing. But there, it was on after one of the games. Can't remember it. And yeah, I thought to myself, Matty John's looks like he's dropped a few kilos. I don't know if it's, you know, for, for Man, whatever. Maybe he's what? just thought I need to drop when a few was, kilos. Most of the time there, he looked like he had massive guns on him. And I thought he looks mm. physically stronger than when he was a player. Mm. Easy on roids. Oh, really? That's what I was thinking. I mean, it's not illegal for him to do it now. Obviously, he can, he's not an athlete anymore. He doesn't play competitive yeah. footy. He can, he can get on the juice if he wants. You know, I think there would be... And look, he's been retired for a long time now, but there would be an element of, like, when you're not... Excuse me. When you're not playing and you're not doing the endurance side of the game, some of these dudes who are naturally bigger and fitter than regular people, if they just keep their fitness up, they're going to get bigger anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I was, when I saw him, I think it was, it might've been last weekend. I just thought that he dropped a, a few kilos and not that he'd needed to. He, as you said, he looked like he was a pretty strong physical dude, but uh, maybe he's just um, trying something different. I don't know. Interesting one. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure people comment on that one. Um, Kenty, there was a man of similar build and stature to you who put away six cream buns at the cake shop on Devonshire, Devonshire Street yesterday. Yeah. I thought you were quite moody last night and have surmised it must have been you and you couldn't find any Gaviscon for the indigestion. Hope you're happier, though, tonight. Yeah, far out. Man. Cream buns, man. Oh, I haven't eaten cream buns for a long time, hey? That's probably because Paul Ken's eaten them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Regarding NRL expansion, I think two new teams from Queensland should be added to the NRL. Redcliffe Dolphins would cover the catchments north of Brisbane, including Sunshine Coast. I believe a team such as Ipswich Brisbane Brothers would cover the south of Brisbane. Thoughts? Um, I think only one more team in Brisbane. 
Yeah, one more team in Brisbane's plenty, and then that team in Perth. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Kenty, you've ignored me all year, Kent Dog, and it's now finals time, so give me a run, mate. Well, Who we'll said that? You, we'll give Who's you a run. It's it's up, up the Nui, at U-P-D-A-N-E-W-Y. Are you, are you able to message them from the podcast account right now and say, dude, we read out your email. We didn't forget you. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah. Because we're for the people and by the people. We are. That, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, when did he... Here we go. I've got to find it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, what a pain in the backside. All right. There we go. Up the Nui. Hashtag Ask Kenty. We'll find it. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he needs to know he's been acknowledged Yeah. by rugby league experts, people that watch the sport. I know it's completely different to what he wanted. He wanted acknowledgement from people that had nothing to do with any of that. But, you know, we'll give him some... Yeah, so just we've just read out a few of your hashtag ask Kenty tweets on our We are typing this tweet as we record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then just, we love you or something. Yeah. We love your work. Yeah. There we go. That's sent. Excellent. We've got um, an administration on a podcast. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a look behind the curtain. <laughs> a, a little peek, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I'm a poet. <laughs> right, now I've got to find another one. Yeah. Um... Kenty should concentrate on doing his job reporting stories instead of advising people on what they should do in theirs. Oh, is that what he's been doing this year? I think he's... I think there's an article which came out where Kenty said that um, Kevin Walters needs to start sacking players. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, (laughs) of course he's going to sack players. He needs to sack some players. Um... Do any TV radio journalism? Oh, does Ask Kenty do any TV radio journalism during the off season? Um, does he do a sports show? Does he do journalism? <laughs> Good point. Does he do it during the on season? <laughs> the on season. <laughs> I was thinking actually today how because there's not going to be internationals at the end of the year. We're going to have longer than normal to fill up with like history episodes and random episodes and stuff like that. It's going to be interesting. Um, oh man, I'm just, I'm looking at the whole tweets here. There's one here, which I think you would love to read out. All right. So, so I'm just going to have to uh, <clears throat> send that across to you. Yeah. Because I think this this would actually sound better coming from you. Oh Jesus! 
not about something Michael Douglas did, is it? <laughs> well. Okay. J underscore foreigner asks, hashtag ask Kenty, are you a cunt or a delusional fucking cunt? Um, that's a good question. I think he's probably just a cunt, which yeah, is I, fine. I don't I think just, he's delusional. No, I don't think he's delusional. I, I describe myself as a cunt, so I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, are journos really that dry for rugby league-related content due to Nomad Monday that standard COVID isolation checks by Queensland Police on Broncos and Titans players are deemed newsworthy? Yes. Yes, definitely. 100%. Um. Someone who hasn't read a single newspaper article or social media account on the issue says, why does SBW have a different sponsor on his jersey? It's not a third-party deal. He's not actually getting paid for that one. He doesn't. He didn't like the name of the backer sponsor, um, backer jersey sponsor that the Roosters had. Doesn't agree with his religion or whatever it was, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. So he asked to have a charity put on the back of his. It's not a third-party deal. So no. it's a charity thing. Yeah, it's a good gesture. Yeah. So you know, stop thinking that there's some sort of dodgy shit going on with the Roosters. They're always above board. <laughs> oh shit. Um, if the Storm make the grand final and Cameron Smith wins the Clive Churchill medal, I think he will retire. Has won everything in rugby league except that medal. Well, you say that. He's never won the Man of Steel award. Yeah, that's true. And the Man of Steel award is very prestigious. Yes. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I, I feel like he's going to play on next year. Uh, so do I. <clears throat> and I you think know what that, else? I'm yeah. pretty certain that... He and the Storm have had this discussion probably a month ago mm-hmm. and both know what's going to happen. And what we're getting at the moment is Cameron Smith telling the media that he's going to make a decision at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's clearly just Cameron Smith trolling Hooper. That's it. Yeah. And, and you know I that, Hooper's, that. Sitting, Hooper's sitting at home fuming. Yeah. He's shaking in rage. His little, his little girly fists are shaking in rage. <laughs> he's looking in the mirror at himself. And he's getting all growly and cranky and irritable. You just look at him and go, you're fucking idiot, Hooper. Yeah, true. I, uh, I feel as though if Cameron Smith was definitely retiring at the end of the year, there would be a lot of um, concrete details that were coming out with, about Harry Grant and, and Brandon Smith. Yeah, and, and also, uh, I mean, the Storm will be organising all sorts of farewell stuff and whatnot. And I think yeah. the Storm want to farewell Cameron Smith in Melbourne. Yeah. And obviously they can't do it this year, so I reckon they'll, they'll stick, stick with him for one more season. And they'll either make him halfback or they'll put him on the, you know, have him as a bench player or something like that. But, yeah, yeah they, they're going to hang him around. And I, I said earlier that I think they'll hang on to him just so they can get one season of Cameron Smith playing alongside Harry Grant. Because mm-hmm. I think that's something that um, Bellamy would want to do. Because that would just be enough to get a few little kinks into out of Harry Grant's game, if there are any. And maybe just get a little bit more, um, you know, teach him a bit of leadership, I guess, from Cameron Smith. Because I dare say he sees him as, as a future captain of the club. Yeah. So, And, I mean, who better to learn from than Smith? And I feel like the the and I don't know who the main person is that runs the storm. I really don't. 
But I feel like the Storm are the sort of club where they would sit down with Cameron Smith or Craig Bellamy or whoever and say, what do you want to do? And and they would say, well, I'm thinking about this, this, this. And they say, what would it take for you to stay? And they'd let them know straight up and they'd say, we'll make it happen. Or they'd say, oh, we can't make that happen. Maybe you should look elsewhere. I think it would all be straightforward and straight up and I don't think there's any mystery to the people at the club at all about what Craig Bellamy or Cameron Smith is going to do next year. I think they all know. Yep. And it's just they can say and not say whatever the fuck they want and all these dickhead journalists that don't like it, no one really cares. Exactly. Now, we'll read out one more because we've... Okay. And uh, only because I know this one could probably have a bit of a lengthy chat to it. Okay. What do you think of the Dragons' new coaching staff? Have the have the Dragons signed some new coaching staff? They have, Andrew. Ah. They have. The, uh, the Dragons have a very, very good coaching staff. There's a lot of experience there. Former coaches? Um, you could probably call them that. You could um, probably call them that. Would they be people who have had good success over in England? Yeah, you could say that. This is not sounding too good. Tell the people who who the Dragons coach and stuff is going. Well, they've uh, they've they've signed the current interim coach at the Brisbane Broncos, Peter Gentle, mm-hmm. and the other assistant coach, I believe, is none other than Old Tealy's himself, Matthew Elliott. Matthew fucking Elliott. He's back. The Holy he, Trinity. You know, when I saw that he was back. I said to myself, this is the greatest news for our podcast ever. I can't wait. The next coach, the next fucking interim coach in line at the Dragons is Matthew Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to say off off the top here right now that um, Dragons fans, I, I, I I can't put into words how much sorrow I have for you right now. You really do have my sympathies. Um, I hope you get through this really tough period. Um, Hang in there. Good times are sure to be around the corner somewhere. I mean, you've got to find positives. You don't have, you don't have Flannel at the club anymore. I mean, you'd probably wish you had him about three (laughs) weeks into next year, but you know, you've got to, at least you've got a morally responsible team at the club now. I guess that's something. What do you want out of an assistant coach, right? And, and this is this made me think about this. And I feel like from an assistant coach, there's a couple of things you want. You want somebody that is enthusiastic. You know, you want somebody that is going to, if you're an experienced first grade coach, you've got a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility. And you want to be able to have people that sort of feed into into your job with energy and new ideas and new experiences and maybe something that you haven't thought of before. And so the idea that you get Peter Gentle from the Broncos, who has done nothing since he took over the Broncos and was so bad in Super League that he he left like I think it was something ridiculous, like six games into the season when he had a Super League career. And look, 
you know, you can't hold that against him forever. But you can certainly hold against him what happened at Brisbane at the end of this year against him. And then fucking Matthew Elliott. I mean, who the fuck... Who the fuck looks at anything Matthew Elliott fucking did in the game and says, I need some of that. That's what I'm fucking missing from my coaching staff is... Can we get the dude that trains them all to be fucking 10 kilos too heavy? Because I need them to be immobile and we'll do one hit up fucking sets for the rest of our lives. Who the fuck wants Matthew Elliott on their coaching staff? This is the oldest coaching staff that's ever been put together. These old farts. Like, I don't know if he wanted somebody that he just liked hanging around with before. But Jesus fucking Christ. What a crying shame. Where's Dean Young? Can we get Dean Young back? No, no. Remember, he didn't quit. He, yeah, he wasn't sacked. He quit. Yeah. Holy shit, man! Like, at least he's not going to be on the fucking ABC anymore. That's something, I guess. <laughs> fucking Matthew Elliott. He's so fucking bad that the New Zealand Warriors signed him up, and then like fucking sixteen games into the year, said. This is bullshit. Let's get rid of him. <laughs> Fuck. He hasn't been an assistant coach since fucking Bradford Bulls. Yeah, the, uh, the interesting thing here is that the head coach is the youngest of the three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And trust me, I'm not talking about much, though. Yeah. So, that... so um, Elliot... And Gentle are both 55. Yeah. And Griffin is 54. Man, Griffin's a hard 54, eh? <laughs> he's, he's had a hard run. He's a Queensland 54. Well, he's, he's kind of like, I guess if, he's, if his uh, tweets which no longer exist or anything to go by, he's a Bob Catter 54. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, uh, I'd like to see Griffin turn up to every press conference with that big 10-gallon hat. That would be cool as shit, actually. Yeah, he needs a hat. Yeah. And just walk in and just be chewing on a bit of, you know, tobacco in the corner of his mouth. No, you know who... Have a te- Texas accent. I want him to turn up to games, right? Remember, uh, I think his name was Boss Roscoe from the Dukes of Hazard, Always wearing white with the big white hat. And he turns up in like a big white, I think it was a Cadillac, drop top Cadillac with the bull horns on the front. That would be fucking cool. <laughs> uh, and then you just have his. Uh, you just have uh, Elliot there, his little teacup and his dream catches. <laughs> Reading tea leaves like he says, Matt, you got something for me this week, man. I, I don't know, he just needs something. And he says. I've been reading tea leaves all fucking morning. I've been burning incense. I looked at my dream catcher. I put, I lined up all my stones, my crystals. You got nothing for you, Griff. Well, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna score a try from a kick this week. Yeah. You know so what? So what we need, what we need to do is kick at the end of every set. Doesn't matter where we are to our wingers every single time because one of them is gonna stick. Spam the play. Spam it. <laughs> Spam it, yeah. <laughs> Been playing a lot of NBA Live lately, and I'm finding when I spam the three-point shot, 
and it goes in all the time. So I'm thinking we do that in a rugby league field, right? So first of all, we want high completion rates. How do you get high completion rates? One out hit ups. Yeah. What I do, we do five one eight hit ups, and then we kick to the corner. Or even better, don't kick at all because then you're giving the opposition the ball. Yeah. Ah, eh? This is this four D chess. Don't don't tell him that there's handovers in it. As I said, he's onto something here. Just tell him, you know, he, it's, it's, he might he might think that it's 1961 again. What if Matthew <laughs> Elliott is there? in an effort to fix up the junior development, right? But the way that he will recruit players is by reading their palms. <laughs> Ooh, you've got a long lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> we might sign you up to a seven-year deal. It's like, um, what, you really want us to sign a 35-year-old Kieran Foran? And he says, hey, I read his palm. There's no breaks in that. There's no breaks in his lifeline. We're good. He's going to be solid. No more injuries. Yeah. They're all gone. Trust me on this one. Yeah. The palm never lies. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in and he's really, he's studying. He's like, wow, I love having an assistant coach that works so hard. He closes the door, just leaves him to it. And Matthew Elliott's going, Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up the fucking astrology. Yeah, because he he get that chick that used to do the um the astrology stuff for Channel Ten back in the eighties and nineties, you know, with yeah. a really high pitched voice and the long blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, that would be his new assistant. Yeah. Oh man, what would you want? <laughs> I don't know why you would want Peter Gentle either. Like, I, like it just doesn't seem like a a positive step. No, no, I. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Dragons fans are regretting calling for Paul McGregor to be sacked. Who would you rather? <laughs> who would you rather have? Paul McGregor and Flano, Flano and Dean Young, or Anthony Griffin, fucking tea leaves and Peter Gentle. Yeah, it's it's, it's good to the point where just when you thought that the Dragons had the worst coaching team possible. Mm. They've gone, hold my beer and my teacup. Yeah. Because, boy, we've got something for you. And apparently Gentle and Elliot are former Dragons players. And, like, they've got this weird thing. And and I didn't even know it was a thing until you pointed it out to me, like, last year, where they like to sign former Dragons players as their coaches and onto their coaching staff. And it's one of those things where you kind of think back and you go like, oh, yeah, they have been. And then you sort of think back about what actual good coaches they've had. And it's like, okay, so that like, in, and I'm talking to like in the last 30 years and you sort of go to yourself, all right, so they got Wayne Bennett and he wasn't a former Dragon. I guess before that, their best coach was probably Brian Smith. And that's like going back to the early 90s. Mm. Everyone else you could keep. That's funny is that Peter Gentle ended his time at the Dragons as a player mm-hmm. in 1988. Mm-hmm. And the year after, the year after Matthew Elliott made his debut for the club. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, they have been there for a while. I, I just, 
I just I look at Matthew Elliott's record and I say, okay, how's this working out? He went to the he went to the Canberra Raiders, the fucking Canberra Raiders, and it took them conservatively eight years to get over it. He went to the Penrith Panthers, switched off their junior development system, and it conservatively took them six years to get over it. He went to the fucking New Zealand Warriors. And they saw the writing on the wall really early on, and they got rid of him, and it still took them. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that they're still trying to get over it. Yeah, there's an asterisk on that one. <laughs> Why do you want him at your club? What's the positive? Ah, uh, well. Experience? The, there's no there's no cheating in his history. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to start here somewhere. Let's look at the positives. All Let's right. look at the positives. They never cheated. Yep. Right, well, that's that list done. Yeah, yeah. Still, Jeez. it's morally better than what they had, so that's something. That is something. <laughs> that is something. It's good PR. Oh, I just think it's funny that, like, man, they're, like, they're so close to having Matthew Elliott as their coach. <laughs> oh, poor Dragons, man. <laughs> you poor cunts. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll be uh, we'll we'll be supporting the Dragons next year through this terrible time, much mm. like a lot of fans were supporting the Warriors this year to say sort of thank you for the sacrifice they made for the comp this year. Yeah, I think it's something that every NRL fan should be doing for the Dragons next year. Yeah, um, because I mean, if they, if they lose some games, Matthew Elliott's next cab off the rank, and no one deserves that. No one at all. No. Um, that's something I should check too. Um, when was the last time Peter Gentle won a game of rugby league as a coach? Oh wow! I reckon it's with Hull, and it might be this. It might actually be his. It not is, his. his it it, was it his last season, or was it his second last season at Hull? No, it's his last season, his second last game. So it's been. Uh, Seven years and 17 days since his last win as a coach. Damn. And what was his last win? What was his last loss at Hull? <laughs> his last his last loss when coaching Hull was against Huddersfield. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guess the scoreline. I, I know it's I know it's traumatic because <laughs> I remember it. At halftime, Huddersfield were leading 54 to 6. <laughs> Hey, the defence turned up for the second half because they only lost 76 to 18. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good second half, actually. They really, they dragged themselves back into it. Um, And what, like, that was how many games into the season? Uh, That was, no, that was the prelim semi, so that must have been close to the end of the year. They did that in the semi-final. Oh, see, in my head, he got sacked, like, six games into that season. No, no, he he did two full seasons at Hull FC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they made sure they 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 tested that that theory pretty well before they decided to get rid of him. Fuck. Yeah, there you go. Seven years, seventeen days since his last win as a coach. I was shocked that he was the assistant coach at the Broncos. Like when I heard that Peter Gentle's taken over because he's assistant coach, I was like, "Holy shit, Peter Gentle's still in rugby league." <laughs> oh, it was. Maybe he's a really good dude, hey? He's probably just he's probably just a nice fella. Yeah, it's just like 
isn't Matthew isn't Matthew Elliott a nice fella as well? He, he, you know, he probably is. They're all probably just, is. They're all just nice guys. Yeah, yeah, they're um, like the uh, the Mitchell Pierces of coaches, except with way less success. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to compile a quick stat here. Okay, bear with me. Yeah, what yep. was the seventy six eighteen? Was that last game for Peter Gentle as a coach? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was Anthony Griffin's last game as a coach? Uh, that was when he was at Panthers and we were in the top four. And it might have... Was it after a win? It was after a win. Yeah. I was on the Gold Coast when that happened. I was on holiday when that happened. Turned it on the TV and saw that they'd sacked the coach. Karen had sacked the coach, top four coach. And I was like, I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah, well, well done to Karen on that one. Yeah. So if we add up the three score lines mm-hmm. from the last game as coach for all three of these coaches, yeah, um, the Dragons' new coaching staff lost the game, one hundred and forty-four to sixty-four. <laughs> Fucking Jesus! <laughs> Ooh. That's rough. So that's that's an rough. average of forty-eight per per coach. Wow. We might as well just do the proper score and divide them all by three. Sixty. Okay. So it was forty-eight to twenty-one. Well, that's more reasonable. Um, yeah. So even the game that Griffin won, they won that game forty to thirty-one. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, they Who were down against Canberra. They were down twenty-six twelve at half time. So they scored wow, twenty-eight to five in the second half to to that... win the game. That's impressive. Look, he was, I think he was a fucking good coach for Penrith. I've always said that, and I don't understand why he was sacked. And, but, you know, what can well, you the, do? The media wanted him sacked, so they got what they wanted in the end. Yeah. They pushed that pretty hard. So there you go, Dragons. Um, sorry. Yeah, I feel really bad for Dragons fans. Um, I suppose that should do it. We've, we've done another two-hour episode here. Oh, really? Holy yeah. crap. Um, I just want to read out, you know, that email that I read out before? Yes, yes. Yeah, because I, I thought that that was really nice. So me and Andrew both got a new Patreon supporter this week, and their name is Lisa. And the the interesting thing about Lisa is that she's not really into social media. So Lisa has found our podcast in a different way. and uh, probably, I, probably, I, probably by post. Yeah, carry a pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and Lisa, when she joined my Patreon, when, when you join my Patreon, I put your name on my website and I page my website and I normally link your social media or whatever you want linked. Anyway, so I messaged Lisa and I said, oh, thanks for joining my Patreon. It's so awesome. Um, what name do you want up and, and what, what, you know, link do you want? And she sent me back this message and I thought I'd read it because it was really cool to get somebody on board that's not really into the social media thing. So Lisa said this, Hey Freaky, the podcast is one of my favorite things to listen to. I really appreciate the amount of content you guys put out every week. So I'm glad to become a Patreon of both you and Andrew. I'm happy for you to just put Lisa on the list. I'm not that into social media, so no other links cheers, which is like, I don't think I've talked to anybody that's not really into social media for years. It's, it's amazing. It's why it stood out to me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
and then she said, on a random note, I was just reading something you'll probably find f- funny. Matthew Elliott has been appointed assistant coach at the Dragons. She thought that was hilarious. So that was cool. Um, and then she said, also, while I'm a Sharks fan, I've been really enjoying the Panthers this year and I hope they can go all the way. I've been fond of the Panthers since high school as my friends and I had crushes on Ryan Girdler. Didn't we all? Oh, I know. He's so fucking dreamy. And then she said, I love that 2003 team and think this year's young team are likable in a similar way. Thanks again for the podcast, Lisa. And I just wanted to read it out because, I don't know, it was just so amazing to see somebody who'd found the podcast in a different way. And it was just really cool. So thank you, Lisa, for joining up to both of our Patreons, uh, becoming supporters of both mine and and Andrew's Patreons. And, um, yeah, I wanted to read that out because I thought it was really cool. Absolutely, and I want to read out someone's tweet. Yeah, go for it. Uh, this is from Gal's Right Fist. Oh, yes, yes. And he said, hey, Fergo Freak Pod, just finished your Joe Rogan-length latest podcast. Was quality listening. I'll make a wage with you about Val Holmes. He will be top five in the Daly M's next year, assuming he stays healthy. Cheers for the shout-out, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Our, one of our interns said something too. They sent a reply to that. Yeah, it's um, glad you enjoyed it, champion. We shall see if he does turn it around. You must aggressively tweet us next season, like over the top hate tweeting. <laughs> and they replied, "Consider it done." Wow. Why? Why do interns want people to hate us for? I don't know. They're We've got just the worst bunch. PR teams ever. We really do. Our interns are just a bunch of pricks, and like we we say to them, this is an opportunity in your miserable little lives to be attached to something that's greater than you are in every sense of the word. And they, it's like they get off on the wrong foot immediately and they, they take it as a slight on themselves. Like with all of the other problems they have in their shitty, miserable lives, <laughs> they think that they should be upset about us giving them opportunities to actually be involved in something successful. I don't get it. It's got me. Um, you know, we took them out of the street and put them sort of still kind of on the street, but in a cage. Yeah, well, at least they're on the sidewalk now. Yeah, and there's, there is a blanket, like, over the top of the cage, so when yeah. it rains, they don't get as wet. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, if they're not hate-tweeting, we might give them, like, a sayo. I mean, that's one say more than they were getting before. Exactly. I don't know why they're being pricks. And we try and, like, teach them how to be better people and how to, like, we want to drag them along in their lives, you know, mostly by their ankles. But we, we want them to eventually go on to bigger and better things, not from us, because we're, like, so much higher than them, but from where they are themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. And I just don't understand the animosity they have against both of us because we try our best to do our, well, as much as we want to do for them. It's like, you know, we don't pay them or anything. But I just don't understand why they're so mean when they tweet about us. It's uh, fucking ridiculous. Where do they even get the phone from? I don't know. I don't know. I bet I bet one of those homeless bums and give them a phone every single day they go past. We're going to have to do something about that. We might have to put the homeless bum in the cage and take the phone off them. I, I bet, and, like, we encourage them to be on Centrelink because we're not fucking paying them. But 
I bet that that's one of the things that they pay for out of their Centrelink is they've got their phone. They're probably spending money on drugs, you know, it's got drugs, drugs. alcohol, uh, cigarettes. Like they're the sort of people that you would, you know, when they say the you want there to be a card where they can only buy like groceries and stuff. These are the oh, sort yes. of people that they're talking about. These fucking people, right? Our hang interns. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, are these interns? Rugby league journalists? No, no, that wouldn't pass the pub test. The word on the street is hang on. that's a pub test. Drugs, <laughs> and, and, you know, angry tweeting. Yep. Hating people who are not in the uh, mainstream media. That's, that's a good point. Right, it's ticking a few boxes here. It really is. Are I... you are you able to just go and have a quick gander um, next time you you decide? that you want to associate briefly with people that low. Mm. And just make sure that Paul Crawley's not in that cage. Well, when I'm walking to my car from the studio after we've finished recording here, I'll, uh, I'll have, I might glance down and have a look. Yeah, just just back the car back and put the headlights on them. Yeah. High beam, because you want to make sure you can see them. Don't yeah. get out of your car. No. They might have, they'll have Rona for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and just see if you can spot him there. I will. I'll have a look. All right. Cheers. That, that, that'll help. Because if it is him, we should probably just let him go. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be good for the morale of the rest of them. Maybe what we should do is we should we should get rid of all our interns. Let's say sack them, but they're not employees. Um, <laughs> and maybe bring in some new interns and see how they go. There's an idea. Yeah. I'm up for that. Okay. All right. That'll be a job for... Oh, we'll have to get our HR department on that. Yeah. Or our interns. <laughs> well, they're not going to suck themselves. Well, maybe they will because they hate us so much. Well, that's their fucking job. Yeah, that's They'll true. They'll do what we tell them to do. <laughs> until until they suck themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I like this system. Okay. All righty. Speaking of things to like people, like us on our uh, on your on your podcast thing. Give us five stars on there and give us some some uh, positive feedback, and we'll uh, pop it up on our website which is fergonthefreak.com. We'll uh, read it out on here as well. We'll make you famous. Um, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. So you can check us out on there as well. Subscribe, like us all over the place. That would be fantastic. Don't forget, go to manscaped.com, buy whatever you want. When you get to the, uh, the checkout, type in the code NRL and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Um, anything else, Freaky? If you want to be part, if you want to be able to say to your grandkids, hey, I played my bit in the digitization of rugby league history, you go to patreon.com slash project, where I believe mm-hmm. all of the NRLW statistics are now part of the website. Correct. I put them all um, in last night. That's incredible. Um, go there. It's something that's really important for the game. Right, and every little bit that you can donate to that cause helps, and it's something that everyone uses within the game. Like, I, I personally know that officials in the game use the website, and you can be part of that website by donating via Patreon. So, I encourage everyone to do it. And while we're there, make sure you always support independent journalists. And this bloke over your league freak is the one. He's been doing it longer than most. 
So get on to patreon.com slash leaguefreak um, and sign up to one of his few tiers there. I think the higher tiers, you, if you stick with them for a few months, you get some free merch. So do, there's yeah. a carrot for you. There's a bunch of different tiers. I like to say I've got more tiers than Dragons fans. It's going to be it's going to be a tough one to measure that for after next season. I reckon. <laughs> Round 20, Matthew Elliott comes in, interim coach. God damn, can you imagine that shit? Oh, I hope for Dragons fans it doesn't happen. So do I. So do I. I hope but Griffin is a raging success and, you know... Otherwise, Paul Vaughan's going to be at centre. <laughs> <laughs> he might play 5-8. You never know. He, he might do. He might do. Um, but without going down that rabbit hole any further, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.